Jesus shares with us today one of his most famous parables. And we see that the tax collectors and the sinners are drawing near to him. They feel a closeness to him. They feel accepted by him. And notably, they, they are drawn to him because he strikes a chord in their hearts. And they're led to this desire for conversion. That they want to turn away from their current or their past sins. Meanwhile, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're also listening. They listen with a critical eye, though. They, they seek to catch Jesus in some error or some wrongdoing to undermine his credibility. They come not to commune with Jesus, but to debate or to criticize him. It's interesting to see how the disposition of the listeners' hearts corresponds to what they receive from this parable. We see that the sinners come and they receive hope for receiving God's mercy. And those who are righteous in their own eyes have their suspicions confirmed. This man cannot be from God. At the heart of the parable of the prodigal son is the moment where the son, the younger son, realizes his mistake and turns back to the father. We hear coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I, dying of hunger. I shall get up and go to my father. It's a moment of grace, a moment of clarity. He recognizes he has made a mess of things. And he decides to return to his father, to apologize and to admit his fault, to seek mercy. It's a beautiful thing to see that the son has such confidence in the love of the father that he knows that he's loved by the father. How many more souls would seek mercy if they knew they would receive it? On the flip side, how likely is it for someone to seek mercy when they don't expect to receive it? When, when a soul knows that it will receive mercy, it will return again and again to that well of mercy and receive mercy. Jesus contrasts the disposition of the father and the older son. Both of them are, we could say, victims of the younger son's actions. He's wasted the property. He's wasted the inheritance. However, we see that the father doesn't play that card. He, he's merciful. Now, the older son, he will not forgive. He's angry with the father. He's angry at the father's extravagant welcome and acceptance of the younger son back into the home. The older son may be remembering past instances of the father's forgiveness. And maybe he's thinking to himself, you're such a sucker. He's going to do this to you again. You know, maybe he's thinking of the past. And we don't know that part of the story. We can see maybe where that would come into play. He's going to do this again to you, Father. But who's left out in the cold? Who's the one that misses out on the banquet? And who seems to be at peace? Who seems to be content? The Father is generous. Yes, he forgives. Yes, he shows mercy. But the older son harbors anger and unforgiveness. So in our own lives, who do we emulate? Who do we follow? Do we harbor unforgiveness for someone or a family member or a fellow parishioner or a clergyman? Someone who has hurt us in some way? Perhaps we are justly angry or upset. Maybe we have been wronged. I would say that there's no doubt that we could all claim to be on the receiving end of some injustice. 
And perhaps we have spent time trying to figure out who of us has been mostly, most egregiously wronged. But in the end, whether our hurt has been great or small, whether it was caused intentionally or unintentionally, the only way to escape the prison of unforgiveness is to extend mercy to the one who has hurt us. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the opening scene of Les, uh, Les Miserables, however you say it, the French, the Miserables, that, that thing. It's a story where the main character, Jean Valjean, is paroled from prison. After nearly 20 years in prison, he's paroled out of prison. And as a convict, he can't find work, he can't find a home, he can't find any, anybody that will accept him because of his past. And it, he faces what seems like an impossible way forward in his life. What options does he have? And when he's at the moment where he's about to despair, a kindly bishop takes him into his home, gives him a place to sleep, feeds him a meal. And during the night, Jean Valjean steals the bishop's silver kitchen implements. And when the bishop comes to see what the noise is during the night, Jean strikes him on the head and knocks the bishop out. Now the next day the police catch up to John and they bring him back to the bishop's house. And the police are presuming that John has stolen all this silver that he has with him. But the bishop in that moment says that the silver was given as a gift. And with that John is released. And the bishop tells him, John uses silver to become an honest man. John expects no mercy, no kindness, and he seeks none because he doesn't believe in it. But now this kindness that he receives sets him on a new path to become a new man. This mercy which was undeserved and unlooked for repairs his soul from the many hurts that he's experienced the last 20 years of his life. Now some would say that this is just a story, a nice story, but it's just a story. But I know, I too have received mercy in my life. And indeed, it has put me on a new path. When we've refused to forgive, two souls are bound. But the one that is bound worse is certainly the one that refuses to forgive. Today, Jesus holds out to us a path of forgiveness or the path of unforgiveness. It is our choice. We are challenged to forgive the sins of others. If we do not, we bind ourselves to a worse fate. The very thing that seems impossible to do, that is to forgive, is the only thing, the very thing, that can set us free. In our country, we see ourselves tearing each other apart for our past sins, our past transgressions against each other, or our differences of opinion, all the hurt that we have caused. Our political climate won't change for the better until we have mercy. We see in Ukraine and Russia that the only thing that will stop the killing is forgiveness. See for yourself, if you look at human history and understand this is what we see. 
Unforgiveness binds us as individuals and as a society to repeat again and again and deepen those wounds and our sufferings. Jesus offers us a different way. It's one that doesn't come easy. And it seems counterintuitive. But it's a path that requires great generosity, a great soul, a magnanimous person. One who has a conviction that forgiveness is always better. The more difficult it is to forgive, the more urgently it is needed. And the greater harm results from its absence. Who do we need to forgive? Who is it that we must forgive? Today, can we take that step towards forgiveness? Can we at least admit that we need forgiveness to heal? Can we ask for that supernatural grace to unshackle any places of our hearts which have been bound by wounds that have been caused to us and for which we have avoided or refused to forgive? Jesus, come into our hearts and undo the knots which we have tied. Help us do what we ourselves cannot do. Help us to give and to receive mercy, your mercy.